Tim Hooper is going to be sharing with us today. It's up to you. We're ready. How about you? Are you ready? There. We're on? Good. I see you have your future uh, worship leader in the making there. He was just a strumming away over there. I thought, what a blessing he'll be someday, huh? Well, thanks for... Uh, Invite me to come back again. Appreciate it. I didn't get on the, what do they call it, the hit list? Um, when we were talking about giving, a story kind of pops into my head. And uh, you never know how God is going to supply your needs. And, uh, you know, you have these ways to give. And uh, one time, uh, in the, the coat and the tie today is in honor of one of my best friends, Bruce Chickasee, who's gone to be with the Lord. <clears throat> he always said, uh, be one step above. And I, I'm not sure, you know, I think because he was always dealing with kids. That's why he thought that way. He always wanted to be kind of above them kids, and let them know that, what, how God dealt with them. But now back to my little story about giving, because this, this concerns Bruce Chickasee. When I was in Florida, we, we were, were going to get a new van for the Seaman Center. And uh, I called Bruce, I said, we're going to sell our van. And uh, I know you need vans, and this one is in pretty good shape, no rust, because it's from Florida. So he comes over, and Bruce is a tough guy to deal with. He just kept chewing at me, chewing at me, and finally, because I said, I want 5000 he said, well, I'd give you 2200 or something like that. So I went back to my board of directors, and I said, you know, the Lord has really blessed us with a, a grant to buy this new vehicle, so really... We could give this away if we wanted. So I went back to Bruce and I said, the board agreed to sell it to you for 2200 bucks." So the day he shows up and he's uh, brought a license plate with him. This is Bruce Chickasee style. I go, it's off one of his other vans. He goes, well, it's good for a couple weeks. I can drive it home. And uh, so he had a friend with him. And uh, he, Bruce gives me the 2200 bucks, and I said, thank you, and we exchanged thoughts, and the guy that was with him handed me a check for the ministry, and I just shoved it in my pocket, and, and uh, as I went back into the building, and they left, we departed, said our highs and goodbyes, and thank yous, and uh, blessings, and I pulled out the check, and the check was for $5,000, and uh, I just thought, oh my gosh, what the, what's the Lord doing here? But, you know, the, the Lord, he has a sense of humor sometimes, because that came out of nowhere for me, but it just taught me a lesson. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, huh? Today I'm going to share a little bit about forgiveness. And uh, this really, a lot of this comes out of a book that I've, I've read a few times uh, by R.T. Kendall. And uh, if you ever want, want to read something that's really uh, penetrating and powerful, I would suggest that you grab a copy of R.T. Kendall and Total Forgiveness and... and uh, read it. But beyond that, when I got saved, I had a lot of guilt in my life, a lot of hurt, and uh, when, we, when a bunch of us went to Red Wing to, to the uh, crusade and the Lord ministered to us, you know, it was before that that I went to the church to, to find forgiveness, and I found that. But later I got, you know, born again or saved. So 
You know, it says in the, the verse that comes to my mind is the one in 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly grief produces life and worldly grief produces death. And that verse stuck with me for a long time. But today we're going to look at a little bit different. We're going to look at uh, something RT shared, and the, especially what the Word of God shares with us. So why don't we start with prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you for uh, all your, your presence here right now. Just the presence of the Spirit of God as we come into your house, Lord. And we thank you for your presence of the Spirit of God in our own hearts. Father, you uh, desire us to be able to experience you in many different ways. And one of the ways you want us to experience you is in forgiveness, in joy, and peace. You have all of these things for us. So we ask, Lord, that uh, I ask that you would take my words, that they would uh, become yours, that you would use my lips, and that you would minister through me to these folks today. And uh, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, you have given so much. You gave your life for us. So we thank you, and we pray you bless this time in Jesus' name. Joseph and I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name, Joseph Tasson, it looks like, T-S-O-N. He's from Romania. He's a friend of R.T. Kindles. And he says to R.T., R.T., you must totally forgive them. Until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them, and you will be released. Now, R.T. said no one has ever spoke to him like that before. And... Uh, here it's set forth, if you do not forgive, you and I will be in some kind of chains. And I, I picked up chains, I thought, chains, what's that mean to be in chains? Maybe you have your own picture in your mind, but maybe you have bitterness in your heart. That'd be a chain, what holds you down? Holding of a grudge, uh, plagued by past thoughts or sins, and I think you get the picture caused by an array of problems or circumstances in our life that have happened to us. And somehow we need to deal with it. Uh, forgiveness. In the August-September issue of the ARP magazine, I don't know how many get the ARP magazine. That's for us old people, right? There's an article on Tyler Perry. And he plays the the Diary of a Mad Black Woman in a movie and uh, quite a few other movies that make reference like that. He's a movie star, obviously. He's a billionaire. Grew up in poverty situation. Had a very abusive father and family. He stated that later in his life he needed to care for his father and the only way he could manage to get through the situation was to forgive his father for the past. Let go. Maybe someone here is in a similar situation where the past or the present is keeping you in chains. Maybe a relationship. doesn't necessarily have to be with your father, but just a relationship the same. In the June 5th, 2000 issue of London's Daily Express, an article carried this headline, You Can Learn to Forgive. It began with the following instructions. Bearing a grudge can hold you back and even damage your health. Now, I don't think many of us realize if we have bitterness in our heart or if we hold a grudge or 
other things that uh, we hold against somebody or however that manifests itself, that it affects our health. It affects who we are. The article of the, the written, the writer of the article, Susan Page, had interviewed Dr. Ken Hart, a lecturer at the Leeds University, who had been running the world's first forgiveness course, a seminar to help people forgive their enemies and let go of grudges. And as far as I understand, this is not a Christian course. So now we go back to RT. When the time that this Joseph told RT that he needed to forgive and let go to be released, he had already been a pastor for 25 years at the Westminster Chapel in London. So the, the picture you get here, here's a seasoned pastor ministering to people, and some guy that apparently was a friend of his comes up and says, RT, you need to forgive these people or you're going to be in chains. And he was a pastor for 25 years. So in my own life, I'll give a couple examples how easy it is to hold on to something in your life. We can discover these themes throughout Scripture, but first I would like to take a short look at God in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness he offers us and how he deals with us. In John 3.16, it states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. We all know these, this verse. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In short, believe in what he did and receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. But what are we believing in? And I, this is really key to me, is that when he says, believe in the Lord Jesus, what you need to believe kind of in the whole. And I, I wrote down, believe in the virgin birth. We need to believe that this is an actual event. Embrace the life he lived for us, the example he gave us. Know that the cross, the finished work took place. We need to understand that the finished work at the cross, we need to know that. We need to have that deep within us so when we're dealing with things in life that we know that it is finished. Jesus said it's finished. Rejoice in the resurrection and victory over death. This was all for us. And if you want to read about the victory over death, just pick up Colossians and read Colossians 1, 1 through 15. And it talks about how he is preeminent in everything. And even in death, he was the first victor. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not lest anyone can boast. It's a free gift. Saved equals forgiveness and eternal life, a free gift to those who believe. In 1 John, 1 John 1, 9, we, if we confess our sins, it says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this cleansing will last for a lifetime. For the believer. This is a great experience. A great experience to be able to trust that what the word tells us and to be able to embrace that word to know that our sins are forgiven and not remembered. The more difficult aspect to this is that in our own mind, we never forget things, do we? Never forget. We seem to always have the residue of some past sin prodding or poking at us to say, are you really forgiven? Do you remember what you did? Is it forgiven? Is it gone? Is it removed? And I say, yes, 
Yes, yes, in him it is gone. And we don't let the devil steal the victory that we have. Trust in the Lord. Amen? Our adversary, the devil, is always at work. In Hebrews 8, 12, it says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. Praise God for the writer to the Hebrews to encourage them and us that God remembers their sin no more. Friends, that verse is for you and for I, I, and we need to covet the depth of the meaning of that word for our individual lives, for our forgiven sin, and then take that to others as the aroma of Christ through us. Remember, as I shared last time, we are ambassadors of the good news. We are the salt of the earth. It's your responsibility. You've been given a great thing, and you don't want to covet that thing and keep it for yourself. You want to give that to others. Another verse that speaks in the, to us from the Psalms is 100, Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I, I'm sure most of you probably know these verses. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers them no more. Trust in the word, friend. Trust in the word. The point here is that, as you all know, that God sent his son to take away the sin of the world. And when we personally believe, trust, accept his plan, confess him as Lord, we by grace are brought into the kingdom of God and he, God, remembers our sin no more. This is a strong statement here. He remembers our sin no more, but why are we in so many ways affected by our past sin, our inability to forget, or the ability to accept by faith that we are cleansed by trusting in Jesus? It's, a, it's, it's kind of like a paradox. You know, on the one hand, you your sins are forgiven, he remembers them no more, but on the other hand, you're wondering, why does this sin keep plaguing me? Why does the residue of some past thought keep tormenting me? So what about the intro to the words to RT? To totally forgive, or you will be in chains. How does this apply to us as children of the living God? How does this apply to us in our relationships, our family, our friends, and our enemies. It's a good place to start is with a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. The prayer from Luke 11, 2 through 4, or Matthew 6, 9 through 15. The Our Father. Jesus taught his disciples. The prayer that Jesus taught them. Right after the prayer, and if we say that, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then the very next verse it says, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You could chew on that statement for quite a while. Try to figure out what is he really trying to say here. Because he just told us he remembered our sin no more. And that he, he redeemed us, he forgave us. 
But here he tells those disciples, you need to forgive. Otherwise, God ain't going to forgive you. So in Romans, Paul writes to us all that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So we're all in this same boat floating around in this sinful state. Even after we have accepted Christ, we still have some sin in our life. Then Matthew hits us with this scripture I just read to forgive. And it looks to me like life in Christ is beginning. Jesus is teaching them in Matthew how to pray and how to live. Forgiving one another is a major step. It's probably key to us as believers to learn to forgive. Let's look at a few other scriptures that guide us on our way. A verse, this, here's a verse that may not be real familiar with any of us. is Proverbs 17.9. It says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. It's a pretty powerful scripture. If you forgive, you love, you express something to somebody that, hey, it's okay, you probably didn't mean it or you did mean it, but I still forgive you. And then what's he say? But it, the fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And how many of us in this room probably have an acquaintance, a friend, a family member, somebody that we don't talk to, that we avoid? Mark eleven twenty five says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that the Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I remember in my, my own life, when in worship and about to take communion, and I think in the Catholic Church they use this, uh, I, I should have looked it up, but it's like, if you're not worthy to receive, you know, you, then you ask God, only say the word that I may be healed. But many times I've been maybe even at Bethel, when we were going to take communion, something would come to my mind after the pastor said, you know, we need to confess our sins, and, and if you don't take the communion unworthily, that I stayed in my pew and didn't come forward and accept the Lord's Supper until I had straightened out whatever he had brought to my mind. Another example of learning to forgive, or should I say asking for forgiveness in my own life, goes way back when Susan and I were making application to, the, to go to the mission field. And this was uh, not with who we did go with, but one prior to that, we were working with Action International. And one of the questions on the application came and it said, if you're walking down the sidewalk, if there's anyone that would come to mind that you would go to the other side of the street to avoid them. Now, I don't know how it works in your life or your conscience, but it was an immediate for me. A name immediately popped to my head. In all of us, this is usually not something you need to take time to think about. That name usually just comes up. And maybe right now, some of you are sitting there with a name in your head thinking, yeah, I'd probably walk to the other side of the street. Well, you know what they told me? Take care of it. You're not going to the mission field with that. They wanted it not there. I don't know how, it, uh, my encouragement 
to you, even today, is to take care of it. Deal with it. I did. I, don't want to go, I wanted to go to the mission field. I wanted to serve God. And this was a question that was in my way, and I had to take care of it. The chains, for me, dropped off. Freedom came in. I know the feeling of the chains falling, of the freedom that can come from forgiving or for going to somebody and asking, let's get this taken care of. It can be yours as well. Much of what we hear in these verses is teaching on life. I'm still, I'm not still, I am 68 years old, still learning truths from God's word, and they're changing and giving me more joy, more freedom, more peace in Christ than I ever thought was imaginable. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God. He's given us such an example of forgiveness and how to really deal with it. And this is important to live a lifestyle of forgiving. This is the will of the Lord for you. This is one area where we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 30, 32 says that. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here again the word says we are sealed. Our relationship with God Almighty is secure. But Paul goes on to say, get rid of all this bitterness. Here you're living in this sealed state. You're forgiven. God remembers your sin no more. But he wants you to get rid of the residue. I remember when I was working in the school, and uh, what's your, somebody told me they worked for the school for a while, and I said, yeah, you were an industrial engineer, not a janitor. Uh, I'd go into Mr. Tom Have's office to clean the, clean the offices, and in his office, there was a plaque hanging on the wall with the Columbia shuttle, and all of those folks made a choice to crawl into that rocket, and that rocket exploded and blew up. And these are the words that are underneath that. You are free to choose your own course of action, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. Just like in life, you, can make, you make choices, but none of us are free from the consequences of the choices we make. They come, whether we want them to or not. The words speak volumes of truth, even in the case of forgiveness. If we choose to forgive, we will reap the benefits of forgiveness, peace, freedom, no bitterness. As in our T's case, become unchained. And that, that in itself is a beautiful picture. In Matthew 5, 43-47, you heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Matthew takes it a step further and not only wants us to forgive, but to pray a blessing on those who have done us harm and hurt us. Could have been a friend, family member, co-worker, whoever. I'm sure you know that Matthew is getting here at here. He is tugging at your heart and your mind. This is not our natural response. It is done in the Spirit. It's hard for any of us to do these things, to really to approach somebody that 
hurt or harmed us in any way and ask them for forgiveness. And then beyond that, pray a blessing upon them. Praying like this, to quote John Calvin, is exceedingly difficult to pray like this. comes out of Christome 334. He called it the very highest summit of self-control. Prayer like this is found in Job 42, 7 through 17. Job, Job prays for his friends that spoke ill of him. His friends accused him of sin. And you know the story. God and Satan are up there, and God says, Oh, consider my servant Job. He will not fail me. He will go to the end. And Job does. He goes to the end. And he keeps telling his friends, no, I'm, I'm right with God. Well, then why are all these calamities happening? Why, why is your family destroyed? Why is your wealth gone? He goes, and I know the old saying, what's the one here? Oh, the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. Powerful place to be. Listen to what happens with these. The, it could go back a little further, but and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when, when he prayed for his friends. And in the in the text here, it says he prayed for his friends, but really they were his accusers. They were constantly telling him, "You need to confess your sin." They were accusing him that he had been living wrong. But the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, his accusers. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came, to, then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comfort him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. But really the, the Lord allowed him to be tested. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginnings. And then it goes into the sheep and the camel and the yoke. This is where we need to be. In Job's case, his fortune was restored to him. He was set free. The chains were removed. Why? Because Job prayed for his accusers. They used the term friends, and we pointed, I pointed that out. This is the point R.T., Wants, to un- wants us to understand. And the word of God is bringing to our attention that we can find peace and joy and freedom in the, sp- in the spirit of God by forgiving and praying for our enemies, our accusers, people who have hurt us, people who hold a grudge, who are bitter at us. Just to repeat the quote by John Calvin, it is exceedingly difficult to pray like this. I have read this book twice now, this uh, Total Forgiveness Again and again, a name comes to my mind and heart that I need to forgive and to let go and to pray for. I need to pray for that person to be blessed by the Lord. However, God would accomplish that. It is not up to me. This name has been rolling around in my head for 44 years. And I have not dealt with it the way I should have. So, just like R.T., Apparently he had something in his life that he didn't deal with. And this guy from Romania says, you need to confess, you need to bless, or you're going to be in chains, R.T. Maybe you have a name. 
What were the consequences of my choice by holding on to that? I held bitterness toward this individual. I wanted justice to be done. I truly never wished this person well. Not letting God handle it. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, and so often, I don't think we think that we're trying to get the handle on vengeance. We're not thinking that we're trying to punish that individual. But just by not forgiving, not dealing with that hurt, we're thinking, I'll, I'll teach him. I'll teach her. Whoever that who or her may be. My dear wife and I have talked about this very thing and how hard it is. Truly, it is a step of faith and a trust that the Lord will help us in our time of need. I recommend the book, but more than that, I recommend the scriptures. Look into the word. It is a light unto your path. The Holy Spirit will show you the way. He will empower you. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power. Free yourself from the chains. RT. You must be totally forgive them. Until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. Release them and you will be released. I tell you, I've been set free. And you can be too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just so grateful for people like RT and people like uh, Joseph who pointed out RT's shortcoming with not being able to forgive even when he was a pastor for many years. And for you dealing with my heart that I was holding something to get somebody when you tell me directly from your word Vengeance is mine. I will repay. He's just telling you that he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to unchain you from bitterness. He wants to take that grudge that you have away. The Lord Jesus just loves you so much that he would do that. He says he remembers our sin no more. But all folks, we've all made choices and the consequences of them choices remain. Thank you, Jesus, for this time that we can share together, and uh, we just ask that you bless this time, bless this word, in Jesus' name. Amen.